You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressandcrest.org. Well, we are glad to welcome you back today to Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey. It's been a few weeks since we were able to be together and have a, a new episode, and Keith Harris is joining me again today for our series over the pastoral epistles. We are going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 4, as we have officially made it to the halfway point now of the book of 1 Timothy. Keith, we are glad to have you back with us today. Thanks so much, Jacob. I'm, I'm glad to be with you and looking forward to our conversation. Keith has been traveling some, speaking at a conference in uh, New Mexico, the Red River Family Encampment, enjoying the nice, cool weather. And I've been here in Dallas-Fort Worth uh, worrying about our air conditioner stopped working. So, uh, Keith, thank you for bringing yourself back to reality today. <laughs> yeah, uh, anything I can do to help. Yeah, and I don't feel the least bit sorry for you. <laughs> So we, as I said, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, Keith, I'll just read this, and then we'll get into some questions. And as always, we say this from time to time. If you're listening to this and you hear something and you're wondering, what in the world are they talking about, or did Keith really just say that, um, you can email me at jacob at pressingcrest.org or uh, keith at keith at Louisville. At, what is your email, Keith? Louis- Keith at Louisville, C of C. C of C, yeah. You can email Keith and he can explain himself uh, as well. But here we go, 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things which are taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry. They order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Well, Keith, when I looked at this, it really does feel like maybe here more than other times in Scripture, it really is a reminder that we are reading someone else's mail, uh, because it seems like 
Paul is talking about something specific with Timothy, even though he doesn't clarify exactly what they're talking about, but it would appear as if Timothy knows exactly uh, the situation which Paul is addressing. But Keith, he begins by saying that the Spirit clearly says that in later times some are going to abandon the faith, and they're going to teach some things that have even been taught by demons. So uh, when did the Spirit say that? How did the Spirit say that? What is Paul talking about here? So it it uh, it seems to me that what Paul is saying here with regard to the Spirit clearly saying, it seems to me he's speaking of inspiration. And certainly the the Spirit speaks through Jesus. Jesus, who is the Word of God, teaches, and, and we see through the ministry of Jesus, uh, he addressed issues similar to what Paul mentions here. I'm mm-hmm. thinking, uh, for instance, of uh, Mark chapter 13, verse 22, there Jesus says, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive. And, and so Jesus, even in his ministry, was teaching this. And I think through the Spirit he taught. Um, but again, Jesus is God in the flesh. And so we've got this message that's coming from God, either through the Spirit or through the mouth of Christ. Um, but, you know, also uh, Paul, he, he talks about um, this reality as well. And I think certainly... Uh, that Paul speaks through inspiration of the Spirit. And so, like 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter uh, 2, we see verses 1 and 2 there, he talks about the man of lawlessness, you know, and he's um, bringing in this very similar discussion that he is uh, giving here or having with Timothy in this letter. Um, And I, I think, too, about Paul's words, and this may be more, along the line of what he's getting at with Timothy is Paul's words to the elders in Ephesus. And we see that conversation um, recorded for us in the book of Acts as, as Luke records for us that speech that Paul gave to the elders right before he departed from them from Ephesus. And it's there in that context that he explains to them that he knows that when he leaves, there's going to be people that are going to come in and they're going to wreak havoc. Um, and then he he almost just points a finger right at those elders that he's talking to. And he says, even from your own number, mm-hmm. uh, men are going to rise up and, and uh, twist the truth, say things that uh, are intended to draw people away toward themselves rather than continue to proclaim uh, the gospel. So I think when he says here in first Timothy four, that the spirit clearly says um, that, that some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. I think that mainly is just through the inspiration of the spirit through these individuals, whether it's the apostles or Jesus or Paul himself as the apostle of the Gentiles. Yeah. Excellent. And excellent use of other passages cross reference these things. I do think, um, Paul is speaking in a little bit more specific terms than general terms here, you know, because you could run with this of abandon the faith. Well, there's a lot of different ways you can abandon the faith. Is he talking about Gnosticism, which he'll deal with in books like Colossians and Ephesians? Uh, Is he talking about Judaizing teachers who uh, 
want to impose all these additional expectations upon new converts. Um, it appears like here he's not talking about Judaizers or Gnostics. Um, he, he's referencing those who are telling the people in Ephesus that Timothy will be serving. Um, you need to abstain from some specific types of food, and you shouldn't get married. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that Paul attributes these two things to abandoning the Christian faith. Like uh, These are some pretty serious accusations, which tells me, Keith, that when you, when you add to the Word of God, uh, you're always dealing with some pretty dangerous ground and treading in some pretty dangerous waters where someone who takes the position I should impose upon everyone else that they should not get married, Paul says that's kind of abandoning the faith. Mm. Um, so we have to be very careful that we do not, as John would use the words, go beyond what is what is written here. Um, why are they saying don't get married and don't eat meat? What is that coming from? Well, uh <laughs> Certainly, the the eating or abstaining from certain foods has to do with uh, those uh, animals that had been offered and sacrificed to idols. Mm -hmm. Paul addressing this very issue when he wrote to the church in Corinth, um, and and it may very well be too that uh, this idea of abstaining from from marriage um, would would lend itself more toward uh, an understanding that you need to dedicate yourself solely to God. And, mm -hmm. and somehow they felt um, as though their uh, religiosity is greater than that of those who can't fully commit themselves to God. I think for some people, even and even today, there are some, um, some groups of, uh, of religious um, individuals who would say that it's better uh, or more fitting to not marry because um, my attention or uh, my dedication would not be divided. And they would argue that uh, difficult or maybe even impossible for one who is married to fully devote themselves to God. Right. And so um, <clears throat> I'm of the opinion that what these uh, individuals that are who these individuals are, are the, the very ones that Paul was addressing back at the opening of this letter uh, when he talked about how they wanted to be teachers and, and they wanted to say things that made themselves sound really um, wise, um, but yet they didn't know what they were talking about. I think these are the same, some of the same people, and they just simply are trying to make a name for themselves and show their level of superiority when it comes to religion. And so the idea of not marrying and not eating foods that have been um, sacrificed to idols, um, I think that's just an outward way of them saying, look how much better we are than you. Yeah. Harsh treatment of the body. Um, that's, that's dealt with in other uh, letters of Paul as well. People that would cut themselves with stones to, you know, be more spiritual. And Paul, Paul is a big believer and do not impose on anyone else what you think they must do uh, to be faithful. Only impose upon them what Jesus has said, which yep. I really appreciate about Paul. Now, 
Keith, I'm going to choose to read this, that if it's false teaching to tell someone uh, they should not eat meat, then I guess the biblical position is you should not be a vegetarian. Um, well, that's the way I read it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the fried meat's better than the grilled meat. And I was, I mean, I was thinking of this passage last night while I was at Hutchinson's, uh, <laughs> eating, that, <laughs> eating that really good brisket. For those who don't know, Hutchins is the best barbecue in the world. So, uh, Keith and I have clearly both abandoned the faith by um, <laughs> indulging in barbecue. Okay, well, we'll move on from that. But uh, the point is, is Paul is telling Timothy, hey, um, it is from inspiration of the Holy Spirit for you to know and for me to tell you that there will be those in your midst and there in the church at Ephesus that are going to try to get away from the purity of the gospel. And that takes on many different forms. And in this instance, it's in the form of your diet and uh, your marital status. Now, he says this is going to take place in later times. When are those later times? Are we in those later times right now? One thing that I look at with this is the difference in the way that Paul uses the words with reference to timing. And here he uses the phrase later times or latter times. Uh, and elsewhere in his writing, he will use the phrase uh, in the last days. Now, uh, later times or latter times uh, is in reference to the spirit clearly saying something, mm -hmm. right? If the spirit clearly says that in the latter times or later times, some will abandon the faith. Certainly we know that in the time that Paul is writing, people are abandoning the faith. They were doing the very things that that Paul was addressing uh, and did address through the letters that he wrote to Timothy and, mm -hmm. and to Titus for that matter. And, and so the idea of the later times, at least in, in my view would, would be, these are, um, more along the lines of Paul's contemporary moments. I mean, I mentioned earlier that previously in, in Paul's uh, writings, he addressed certain issues or uh, uh, made mention of the fact that there will be a time when these things will happen. And for Paul, when he was saying that, the time was in the very near future. Mm -hmm. that it was going to be something that they, at that moment or uh, in the very near future for them, they were going to have to deal with, as opposed to what he says in uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 1, where there he's talking about in the last days. Um, I don't personally believe that we are living in the later times, as he mentions it there in chapter 4, verse 1. I'm, I'm more of the opinion that we are living in the last days. Mm -hmm. We are awaiting the return of Jesus. Uh, and we are in the last days. Yes. But when he mentions later times, I, I, I would I would believe that he's talking about his contemporary time in the very near future for them. Yeah, I think the last days technically began at the ascension of Christ after the resurrection. You know, uh, Paul was living in the last days then, waiting for the yep. return of Christ. Later times, as you've well pointed out, these are for his contemporaries. Uh, he's telling Timothy, this is on the horizon, so get ready for this right now. Yep. Um, this is taking on different forms, and the um, the concept, the principle still applies today about not letting people 
convince you of things which the Bible really never addresses. Uh, but he was speaking to a specific time for a specific reason. Um, so let's uh, let's jump down to a few of the questions, Keith. We've kind of already gone through some of these that I sent to you. Um, let's jump down to this deal about godless myths and old wives' tales, verse 7. Uh, I love that he uses that terminology. Timothy, avoid old wives' tales as opposed to the young wives' tales. Um, but what are these godless myths and old wives tales that Paul is describing? These would be, uh, the, the frivolous conversations, the, the, uh, um, those statements and, and maybe, maybe some would say stories because the, the of the word why old wives tales, but, these would be uh, statements or concerns that have really no eternal meaning um, and no eternal significance, uh, but rather, again, playing back on the idea that that the things that people were saying, they were wanting to be perceived as being very wise, and so they would use um, these myths, these old wives' tales uh, to, uh, again, bolster themselves before others. But I would say that those who are uh, engaging in this are the very ones that he mentioned back in 1 Timothy 1 verse 9, uh, where there he called them profane. Um, And so I think it has these godless myths, these old wives tales have to do with um, the cheap or false religion uh, of those people who he identified as being profane. Okay. Uh, their, their heart was not right. Uh, they were hypocritical. They, um, they were simply wanting to speak things that made them sound, made them sound wise. From what I read and when I studied, it also appears as if at least some speculate that Paul is dealing with a little bit of superstition here, that these old wives tales are mysterious in the sense that they are tapping into uh, pagan witchcraft and a different world of carrying over spiritual things that has nothing to do with the Spirit of Christ. I'm not sure if that is correct. I do find it at least interesting um, that there's some type of divination involved in this type of language. I've always looked at this, though, Keith, and I get, I'd like to get your opinion on this. When he's talking about godless myths and old wives' tales, I kind of categorize those things, whether or not they are, um, in a sense, related to superstition or witchcraft or divination, beside the point of that. Uh, have you known Christians and preachers and churches that it seems like they like to spend a lot of time speculating on things that we really don't know much about rather than spending the majority of their time talking about the things that we can know about and that we should be certain of. Do you get what I'm getting at there? Yeah, that that is a a very comparable concept to to what he's addressing here because um, I've seen it time and time again, and and even even back in school. And I'm sure you experienced it too. Um, you know, sitting around with a bunch of, of preacher students, you know, in, in Bible classes, and people want to bring up or want to sit around uh, during breaks and and argue about things that 
uh, have have no eternal significance. Mm-hmm. I think that's really. I think you're exactly right. That that's that's the tone of what Paul is saying. Those things that have no eternal significance, you're spending your time and your concern on those. And there's so many more important things that we need to be sharing with the people around us. Yeah, I'll give you an example. I mean, one that seems kind of uh, buzzwordish and trendy today is I see a lot of people spend a lot of time debating new heaven, new earth. And it's interesting, and I'm intrigued by the study, but, I mean, weeks and weeks and weeks on new heaven, new earth, where where is heaven going to be? Is it some mysterious place in the sky, or is it going to be a restored earth? Like, at the end of the day, does that really matter? I mean, I just want to be where Jesus is, right? Right. And I want to I want to be on on the good team, on the winning team, not on the losing team. And it causes a lot of division and speculation, and which can lead to doubt and uncertainty. And from where I'm sitting, it would seem, it would appear as if it would be more wise to spend more time talking about how we get to heaven and how we lead others to heaven than uh, where is heaven going to be and what's heaven going to be like. Very, very well said. Um, I, I, I want to come back to uh, chapter one just real quick and what he says there because it, I think you hit the nail on the head. Listen to the words that, that Paul used here. He said that uh, certain people, uh, he wanted Timothy to command certain people not to teach false doctrines uh, any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. So again, it would come back to the endless myths or the godless myths, Uh, the endless genealogies. He says such things uh, promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's Mm -hmm. work. That's exactly what you just said, and um, I couldn't agree more that too often people are spending time arguing over and speculating over things that we just can't know for certain this side of heaven. Now, some people that may, uh, you know, get into that discussion of new heaven, new earth, you know, what's it going to be like, that sort of thing, may say, well, we can know from Scripture, and they would, they would proceed then to try to try to show us. But, but I would suggest that, uh, like you said, our focus ought to be the very same focus that Paul urged Timothy to have, advance God's work. Don't, don't spend your time on things that are controversial speculations, mm-hmm. but it's God's work. Yeah, I think our job as preachers on Sunday is to have people leaving with hope and conviction more than questions. Yes. Like there's times we need to question and say, dig a little bit deeper, and have we always been right about this? But that's a rare occasion where that needs to be of prominent value. I think we need to leave, <laughs> have people leaving knowing what they believe. And that's what John told us the uh, the the gospel writer john that's why he wrote his gospel was mm-hmm. so that we may know yep. and believe john chapter 20 and that through knowing and through believing we will have eternal life um and i just i i appreciate the study and the preparation of those who teach and write on these topics um and maybe it's good to share them with theologians and preachers that are really interested but for our churches from the pulpit in our classrooms, uh, tell people what we can know 
and don't spend as much time on what we can only speculate about. Yeah. Um, he clearly says here, uh, kind of like he said with the spirit, but Paul clearly says here that it's more valuable to train yourself on things of spiritual importance than physical importance. He says physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. So uh, how do we train ourselves, Keith, to be godly? We have to begin with an understanding of what it is that God is calling us to. And certainly there are many passages through the New Testament, uh, particularly that uh, share with us those things that God would have us to do and, and the kind of people that he would have us to be. And a couple of those that are just very familiar to us. Uh, the first would be out of Galatians uh, 5, the fruit of the Spirit, um, the things that need to be evident in our life. And so if we're going to train ourselves to be godly, I think we have to make sure that we are um, reflecting daily on our walk, that we are uh, examining ourselves, that, that we're making sure that love uh, is a part of our life, joy, peace, patience, kindness, um, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that we are practicing these things. One of the... Um, one of my favorite pastimes, which is yours as well, is golf. And um, years ago, when I was um, on, on a golf team, our coach uh, came along, and he would his advice to us was swing hard in case you hit it. You know, <laughs> and, I mean, he was a basketball coach; he was not a golf coach. He could play a little bit, but anyway, swing hard in case you hit it. Well, there was another guy, an older gentleman there that would help us out at times. And I can remember one particular time uh, where uh, I was, I was really working hard on a particular aspect of my game. And he walked by and he said, well done, you know, you're, you're, you're improving. And I told him, I, you know, just the old uh, statement that we always hear practice makes perfect. And he said back to me, no, practice doesn't make perfect. And I, I was like, what? And he said, perfect practice makes perfect. And so that made a lot more sense to me. And ever since then, I've thought of, about that with regard not only to golf, but just everything in life, the things that we need to practice or train for. If we're not training in the right way, then it's not going to have the result that we are desiring. So I think when we talk about training ourselves to be godly, we have to make sure that we are practicing those things that God has put before us, but not just going through motions, but rather having that perfect practice. We're not perfect, uh, but I'm just saying, making sure that we are doing the things that God has called us to do, not something that I think um, might be good or, or beneficial to me, but rather, what does God say? What does God want me to be working on in my life and do those things? Yeah, that's a great illustration. Um Great illustration. Now, let me ask you, Keith, did that gentleman know that when you play golf, you cheat? <laughs> well, I don't think he did, but man, that was great advice. It was great advice. I, I better do it perfectly. <laughs> we played golf, what, five or six times together? Yeah. And I think we're tied. So maybe it's a maybe it's an well, even number of times. Yeah. I beat you twice, you beat me twice. Right. And you'll right. never go out with me again. for the Because 
I don't want to get beat, and I know that you're going to beat me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You're much better. But okay, so back to the golf swing. You know, I can talk about the golf yeah. swing all day long. It's a sickness of mine. But um, that's a great illustration. I'm glad he said that because yeah, if you go out to the driving range and practice bad habits, you're going to practice those bad habits so long that you no longer realize that those are not good techniques, and it's re- really hard to unravel those yeah. and to teach yourself a new a new swing. Um, that's great advice for this passage. Yeah. We got to train ourselves to be godly. And there are a lot of ideas in the world about how to be godly that are not good ideas. Right. Yes. And uh, the more we repeat those, the harder they become to uh, unravel. That's exactly right. One of the, one of the greatest passages in the New Testament to me with regard to how we ought to live and the things that we ought to practice uh, is Romans 12. Um, if, if you read Romans 12, beginning at verse 9, but really all the way through Romans 12, the whole chapter, but beginning at verse 9 and, and following down through the end of the chapter, it's almost like step by step. Paul is saying, here are the things that you need to be practicing, things that need to be evident in your life. Mm-hmm. And if I'm, I'm just convinced that if we can live according to Romans 12, 9 through 21, um, our life is going to be so much better. The life of the church is going to be so much better. Our relationships are going to improve. Our focus on the things that God has put before us will improve. And I'm convinced that's, excellent training uh, for godliness. Uh, And as you mentioned a moment ago, Paul's very clear in his statement that, you know, physical training, it benefits some, but training in godliness, that's, that's where it's all at because that has a promise to it, an eternal promise. Um, As opposed to all these other things that people are trying to, trying to teach or share these false teachings and, and, and all of these things that people are putting forward that have no eternal benefit. Training in godliness has that eternal benefit, and that's where our focus ought to be. Very well said. And one of my favorite things about Paul, uh, summarizing this passage, as I read it, Keith, he says, eat all the meat that you can, and don't mm-hmm. worry about exercise. So That's exactly the way I read it. Um, <laughs> it <laughs> Genius. It's, I mean, it's, it's spot on. <laughs> <laughs> Spirit-filled living right here. That's Very right. good. Well, uh, Keith, thank you for your time today. You're headed to Kaufman tonight, is that correct? That's correct. Kaufman, Texas. I have some family in Kaufman, Texas. I'm looking forward to seeing them. At the Landmark Church of Christ. Going to have some Mexican food before you speak? Certainly. Some beef or chicken? You know, I may do uh, fajita chicken. Okay. All right. Well. The Apostle Paul would commend you for such <laughs> for such behavior. We are so glad that you've joined us uh, today. As always, thank you for listening, and my thanks to Keith for his uh, great thoughts and insight. And we want to conclude today the way that we do every time. We encourage you to keep your eyes on heaven, and if we can ever do anything for you here at Road Talk, please let us know how we can bless your life. Have a great day, and we will talk with you next time.